The tennis fundamentals, the serve, the volley, and the smash. This month we are doing tennis. And what better way to take advantage of the great weather than with a game of tennis? I have no chance in the match. He's the number one in the world and I'm playing with the metal hit. Joe Hallman, how was your weekend, buddy? Your long weekend. You had the day off today, right? I did, yeah. I worked a little bit, but I did have the day off. Uh, it was good, man. A lot of good football. Lost some money on my uh, DraftKings account. Took a pretty big bath in the Dolphins-Chiefs game. But you know what? We live to find another <laughs> day, man. You got to bounce back, baby. <laughs> how, how was yours? Oh, God. Sorry about that. It's pretty good. I'm also uh, in a go-getter mood, though, because it's the Emmys are on right now. The NFL playoffs are on right now. But I'm ready to get back in the office with Nice Point Media here because I'm here. I'm locked in with you guys. Even on my second screen here, I'm not pulling anything else up besides the Australian Open, which is already underway. I'm watching uh, my one of my uh, people to watch for the year, my sort of uh, beginning-of-the-year value pick Roman Safflin take down Talon Greeksport. He's up two sets. Excellent. Let's go. I saw uh, your yeah. other pick, Miran Dreva, got a win in the first round as well. She did as well. Um, <clears throat> just to, I'm going to need a beer. Hold on, guys. Goodness gracious. <laughs> there we go. That's better. So let me set the stage, Australian Open. Let me just sort of shake the rust off with everybody. Uh, as we get into the first slam here of the year, on the men's side, Djokovic is the defending Australian Open champion. He's also the defending slam champion, uh, having won the U.S. Open. So he beat Sissipas the beginning of last year at the Australian Open. He beat Medvedev at the end of last year at the U.S. Open. Um, that's really uh, my, all there is to say on the men's side. Some other guys who have won on uh, on the hard court in a tournament are here, uh, here in January recently. Dimitrov, Rublev, uh, Lehechka, some winners recently in case you just want to keep an eye on them. Uh, I want to talk about the United Cup really quick too to highlight some players there. But in the Emmys, what they started to do is in the old days, they would just build from the, the sort of like the awards that people don't care about as much all the way to the best ones. But now they're going to give you a little, uh, a little bit of a, a morsel at the beginning to, to make sure you boosh. stick around. So they're, yeah, exactly. Cool. I don't, yeah. I had never said that phrase before, but yes. <laughs> and they're going to, they're going to do like best supporting actor first. They'll do this at the Oscars and stuff as well. So I'm ready to, to, to sort of like let people take a bite early of the episode here. I know we're going to do picks. You want to go ahead and pick Djokovic as your winner of the Australian Open 24 or, or do you want to save it and have something crazy later? Uh, I mean, we you can get the sidewalk chalk out for my uh, champion picks, dude. I'm, they're pretty chalky. Uh, I am going Djokovic. Great on, on the men's side. There you have it, people. <laughs> we're we're already we're already uh, you know bringing out the main courses here for you. We're we're not gonna um, breadcrumb you along in this episode. Nice point is picking Djokovic to win. Joe, I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna pretty much go off your picks as as the podcast picks because I'm not as smart as you. On this uh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> on the women's side, I see a little bit of a trend going on here. Listen to some of these players. Okay, so last year at the Australian Open, Sabalenka beat Rubakina. Rubakina won a little bit recently in Brisbane, a tournament as well. So okay, these are names we've started to talk about a lot at the top of the women's side. 
Most recent slam, of course, was Coco Goff over Sabalenka. Coco also won at Auckland uh, here in January. So she's winning in Australia. She's winning on hard court. Um, those are the three names that I'm circling. I did catch an interview with our sort of our newest fave who seemed to come out of nowhere, uh, Emma Navarro. So she won a tournament in January in Hobart. Good victory mm. for her. Um, and I got to see a cool interview with her to sort of like just introduce her as a character to our little universe here. Um, Ostapenko also won on hard court in January as well. I know yes, we're all did. about Ostapenko. On nice Adel- Adelaide, baby. Yes, she did. In Australia as well. They're really making a lot of Q1 cash uh, on tennis over there. Down under. <laughs> did you get wind, Joe, of any of the United Cup between Poland and Germany? Uh, not much. I saw, I think Ego was the MVP of the tournament. I think she won every match she played. She was leading uh, Poland to the championship uh, and playing doubles with Hubie Herkoc. Hmm. Uh, and so the way, the format of, of playing the other nation is a singles uh, women's match, a singles men's match, and then a, a mixed doubles match. And so Iga did uh, win hers, as you said. And then Zverev beat Hubie Herkoc in his match. And then Zverev and somebody else beat Iga and Hubie. Mm. So that's how Germany won the United Cup. Um, again, just kind of more players that with a little bit of heat on them right now. Um, that's That's my setting the menu what we talked about a little bit in our group text was that um this thing is way underway we're trying to do these episodes in a, in a nice timely fashion for all you people because it's the preview but uh the balls are flying right now before my eyes um joe <laughs> did you watch a little bit this weekend anything you catch and anything that we're just already behind on talking about so with all the football and college basketball going on this weekend i didn't get a chance to watch much i am watching it right now I'm, i've got uh Iga v Kenan up right now what are you watching no, I have Roman Safflin, baby. Oh, that's right. I mean, he's going to close it out. I won't have it for long. <laughs> so uh, I have not seen much yet, but I'm planning on watching a ton this week. Uh, I do have to say, this is one of my favorite tournaments of the year for sure. I love this tournament. It's like, uh, for those of you that don't know, here in the Midwest, we got dumped on like uh, two feet of snow the last seven days. Uh, so it's, it's cold and snowy and gray and I turn this on and it's sunny. People are wearing shorts and t-shirts. I love it, man. I love this tournament. Uh, so I'm excited to see what happens. They highlighted one of the, uh, bar additions to a new court, a a double decker bar. So you, you can go back and get a drink, uh, whether you're on the lower floor or the upper floor, they said the patrons are doing an amazing job of balancing grabbing cocktails but staying quiet during points and they're uh so see if you can catch them talking about uh some of the matches on that court especially in this first week when those smaller courts are really active dang i will i will definitely look into that that's awesome i love uh big sporting culture down in australia they love sports they love the party i love it man here's what i think is worth calling out so far that i just uh even if i watched all these or not if i just uh Kind of score gazing a little bit. I just noticed, um, I don't know if it's more or less than other years, but a lot of cases of 
sort of funny seating based on people uh, being injured or last year or just having like a weird year last year where they were out. Um, so like Naomi Osaka lost her first match here, um, but it was to, to Caroline Garcia, who I think is like a 14 seed. That's mm-hmm. probably a little bit lower than her quality typically or like what we would see last year. Um, Taylor Townsend, sad to see go in the first round. She lost to Paula Bedosa, who's unseated. Paula Bedosa, when we started our podcast, was like number six or something, right? Yeah, it's top ten for sure, yeah. Yeah. So um, that's going to be one of mine to watch as somebody that she could run into in the next couple rounds here. I had that as Um, well. Oh, okay. That's good stuff. Um, (laughs) And then, then, like, another fun one, again, like, just uh, you're getting lucky if you got tickets – uh, out here in Melbourne for the first couple days to watch Felix Auger Aliassime, who again, another guy that dropped way down since like in the course of our first season of the podcast, he was like number six and he's unseated now. He had a terrible, terrible year last year and he's playing Dom Team, mm-hmm. one of the only slam winners in the GOAT era, the three headed GOAT era, uh, besides those guys. Right. So, um, great matchup in the first round that uh, I think went to five sets. Yeah. Five setter uh, Felix coming out. Yeah, that was uh, I had that written down as well. That's interesting. So I think I'm seeing Felix is seated 27. Uh, and then Dom team. Okay, he's got a seat. <laughs> Dom team unseated. Like you said, who was, I think, did you say he, he was the U S open winner in 2020? I believe Dom team. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it might've so, been a little bit of a COVID asterisk, but Still could, could be, but yeah. So, I mean, he's obviously, you know, he's got the goods. He's a good player. So great to see FAA uh, playing well again. Yeah. Five setter. One of them went to a tie break. So a long match there. I know uh Djokovic did drop a set in his, in his first match. Um, I know Tiafo and Fritz both faced uh, multi, you know, four or five set matches and, and got out of them. So thing, I mean, as we said, things are underway. We're just cranking this pot out like at the end of what we thought was a long weekend and we're back at work, but boys. <laughs> Did you see, uh, I, I believe it was in the first round match, uh, Djokovic, some, somebody's phone started ringing in the crowd and he like, was like, are you going to answer that? And like everybody in the crowd could hear him and they, everyone laughed. Wait, I had it as the, uh, I think the other guy said that to Djokovic and, and, and got a laugh out of him. <laughs> okay, that's possible. I thought Djokovic was like, are you going to answer that or something? But... As long as we're talking about Dom team, <laughs> uh, I will quickly just just relay how dominant Djokovic is um, at the Australian Open specifically. So if you look at the U.S. Open, where, as you said, uh, maybe there's some COVID stuff going on, um, Whatever. Djokovic won last year, but before that, he hadn't won since 2018. Alcaraz in there. Medvedev had beat him in the U.S. Open. Um, Stan Warinka won in 2016. Nadal's got a couple of these at the U.S. Open. In Australia, it's a really different story. It's in the last, um, let me just annoyingly count these right here. One, two, three, four, five, six like seven of the last 10 or 11 years are all Djokovic at Australia. So it's a really different story, even though it's both hard court. Yeah. He's dominated this tournament. And as we've talked about before, my theory is he stays in shape in the off season 
and this is the first big term of the year, and he's he's coming in uh, in great shape. So maybe some of the other players are trying to play their way into shape. Don't look now, Sophia Kennan with the early break over Iga up two one. Let's go. That, that's <laughs> another good uh, value for your money if it, if it is in fact mm. cheaper to go on these first couple of days. Former um, former Aussie Open champ Sophia Kennan. You know something? We're going to talk about breakpoint a little bit in this episode. We're, we're gonna we're gonna needle into it. Um, something that you hear a lot of the players talk about when they're stressing out about their legacy and their career is how they're getting older and they're like, Oh fuck. If I, if I, you know, if I lost in this tournament, I'm just like, I'm running out of chances as I get older. Right. What, what, how I think they should reframe their minds. And especially with Djokovic out here, like the example that he's setting is like, are you feeling any worse? I mean, okay. You Mm -hmm. were, you were 27. Now you're 28. Now you're 29. Like, how do you feel? You feel the same. I mean, if you're like, I can feel that I'm slowing down or I've had a couple injuries, that's one thing. But I feel like some people are just sort of like, they just have that, like, uh, um, you know, that that internal clock a little bit. And they're like, nobody really wins it in their late 30s, so I'm just screwed now. But if you feel fine, you stay healthy, and you're a nut like Djokovic, you'd be fine. I think uh, Tom Brady said, like when he was in his late thirties and maybe into his forties, he he said he feel he felt better than he ever had before. But I think he really got into like some uh, like the nutrition and stuff later in his career, Tom Brady, and like I think it really helped him. Looking forward to that phase for myself. <laughs> the only other uh, random news and notes I want to cover here before we just uh, hit maybe like make sure you watch these this week is um, we got to talk about this Wild Thornberries-themed drawing put out by, I think, the USTA in support. It was sort of like a, a, a little cartoon graphic image of all the seated American players. Um, and because they're going to Australia, I suppose, you know, they're going to, like, the Outback, and so they were kind mm. of on the Wild... If nobody knows what I'm talking about with wild thornberries, I'm not about to like try to explain it either. Like either you watch the show and you were that age, or it's not going to make any sense. But they're on the wild thornberry style um, camper, and they all look like wild thornberry characters. And it was panned by uh, Coco Goff, Jess Pagula. Um, everybody just said, "Why did you make us look like the wild thornberries? We look weird." Um, there's a sort of like a problematic, like like racial element almost to it a little bit i don't know if that is true of the wild thornberries i haven't gone back and and revisited that text in a while but certainly the image (laughs) just seemed like the wrong move to depict some of these people like the wild thornberries uh i guess that's i guess that's my little uh podcast host's assessment of what's going on there um let's hear from producer cole and joe on on this one i i was a a pretty big wild thornberry um, <laughs> con- consumer. Uh, I remember watching Emmys year after year, hoping to get some kind of recognition for the show, but uh, never materialized. But there's no way that Ben Shelton or Coco Goff were alive, let alone like conscious to be watching wild thornberries during its run. I mean, I'm 29. I'm about to be 30, and like, I that might have been on when I was like eight. And they're what 19, 20. Get out of here. 
<laughs> just a miss but it's still somehow not as bad as like the monday night football like little graphic scenes that espn puts together like oh go <laughs> go pack the bus or oh we're in cleveland like we're gonna do a fucking rock and roll hall of fame bit with like uh, mason rudolph shredding the guitar or some bullshit <laughs> I think those are kind of funny. I saw one with Dak Prescott uh, clicking his heels like Dorothy because he was. It was when he was. They were always winning at home, but not away. <laughs> so I thought it was pretty weird. I actually didn't see it. We shared it in our group chat. It was the first time I saw it. Uh, it's just like a a weird. Why are they picking the wild thornberries? Like a, a cartoon that's been gone for decades, and I guess. <laughs> So, Joe, when you were saying maybe because they're going like to Australia down under, maybe that's why. So I wasn't a huge Wild Thornberries guy. Was it in Australia or all over? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was set in the outback. They were oh, okay. like they were naturalists or, you know, um, biologists gallivanting around in a in a big RV. They had like a sort of um, a wild a, a what the wildest thornberry was their little like um um uh, boy who was just a tyrant like a little tasmanian daredevil just running around he, he kind of was like a raised by apes because their whole family they they grew up like in the just out in the in the bush you know it was that that was the theme of their family and the dad was kind of like into like he was like an old school colonial explorer type and then the the girl who's the protagonist who's somewhat normal, but then there's like the, the kind of monkey boy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Again, I guess- guys, there's two audiences here where this is just sounding insane, and other ones who are like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's the that's the wild thornberries." Yeah, it, it was Donny Donny Thornberry. It makes it slight slightly less weird in my mind that the show actually took place in Australia, but it's still pretty weird. Yeah, it's not like Does they it- just. Through like threw him in bikini bottom or something. There's a little more intentionality. <laughs> Is I I don't even want to say this because I just want I we could just make this technically like uh, a totally gonzo podcast where it's just like rah rah for all our favorite players and sometimes it is that. But does anybody think it's a it's a little bit uncool to just like if, if you to just go on social media and roast like some dumb like social media manager who had to put this together if you're a big star yeah it is <laughs> but pay pressure because it's, it's not yeah um i'm excited for the for the hey arnold u.s open crossover because <laughs> that's set in new york new city york. right yeah, yeah. i think they that's should, yeah, more, that's more harlem and, and not queens Who's Stoop Kid in, in among the oh, man. American Is that players? Just like I can't the, wait to find out. The quiet but like always lurking presence. Who's the quiet, always lurking presence in the US scene? Brad Gilbert, maybe? No, he's not quiet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he's 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 that he's that grandpa with the w- crazy neck. <laughs> Oh man, I'm not really a big Hey Arnold guy either. I don't know if I had a childhood. Man. Were you just Nick at never guessed? I, I was just woke more... up at at 8:30 p.m. for <laughs> Gilligan's Island. I was a uh, Boy Meets World, uh, even Stevens guy. 
big Topanga fan. <laughs> Me too. I was a SpongeBob guy too. Big big YA big YA fan over there. Okay, totally crazy off tracks. No thanks to the Wild Thornberries or to the USTA on this one. We can't really take the blame on that. Um, oh man, this ball just landed right right on top of the tape and fell to just an impossible return uh, area on a on one of the players here and he gets pissed and he just slaps it into the net. He's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> Joe, do you have bets for people to make? Uh- sure. For sure. So, okay, uh, I, so I guess I do. I, I have like a couple bets on like players that I think can make runs. If we want to, if we want to go that route, let's go there. Now, let's, let's increase the stakes. Let's do, Hey, just matchups to watch. Just enjoy yourself. Okay. Part two bets to make, make yourself some money. Part three will crown, uh, the nice point prediction for the for the women's singles. <laughs> okay, so potential matches to watch. We've got a potential uh, Gael Monfils playing uh, Joker in the third round. Uh, I looked up their head to head record. Djokovic is nineteen and zero against <laughs> against Monfils, but uh, Djokovic is nursing a little bit of a wrist injury right now. Obviously, he was. What did you say? Night? Did you say nineteen? 19 and 0. <laughs> they played ni- 19 times. So last year, Djokovic had an injury, obviously went on to win the tournament. So he's a guy that can play through injury. But with a wrist injury, Monfils is a guy that's going to run around, one of the quickest guys on tour, one of the fastest guys on tour. He's going to get to every ball, return everything. He's going to make Joker play a lot of points or play, play long points, play a lot of balls, a lot of shots. Maybe that wrist wears down. I don't know. We'll see. That's a very interesting one. Monfils is a tough, tough guy to play against. Really crafty player. Listen, if you're if he met, he mentioned in his uh, his post match interview that he could he felt the age a little bit when he played uh, four sets in the in the first round. Um, I don't think I would want to be playing Alex Papyrin from Australia in, here in the second round if you're trying to conserve your body whatsoever. If he wins, he beats Monfils or whoever else. Um, and everybody who's the top seed kind of, if everything plays out that way, uh, fourth round is going to be Ben Shelton. I saw that. That was my other one I had uh, on the men's side. So Novak, Djokovic, Ben Shelton, potential fourth round matchup. So obviously the phone celebration thing, they've got a little beef going from the U.S. Open which we talked yeah. about on, on the last episode. So apparently Novak uh, was asked about that, or he said something to a reporter about, uh, he was saying uh, Ben Sheldon was in the unsportsmanlike zone for that, and he was uh, not behaving properly on court and before the match. And then uh, in a press conference this week, somebody asked Sheldon about it, if there was some beef, and or he's, they, he asked him uh, – if something was going on before the match that we're not aware of. And Sheldon kind of took the high road and was like, no, nothing's going on. Like that was at the U S open. Like this is the Aussie open. I'm moving on, but uh potential budding rivalry there from like two different generations, like almost 40 year old and like 19, 20 year old. So uh it could be some fireworks there in the fourth round. That's I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Before the match, what could that mean? You know? Yeah, and uh, Sheldon was just like, no, nothing happened. So, yeah, who knows? I agree. I agree and yet love it, the, the phone celebration. It's, it's completely disrespectful. It's, it's a little <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> I, I love it, too. I, I think it's 
awesome. Know, as we talked about, I think tennis needs more personality, man. Bring more fans to the sport. I I think it's great. And I love the hanging up the phone like retaliation by Djokovic. Love to see some like, you know, some real uh, competition out there. Two big time competitors. I have uh, a couple other ones here. Um, again, I I'd love if we could provide more. Just like make sure you watch these right now. But with the timing, it's just hard. We trying to give some that are real and others that may become real based on who wins. But um, one uh, that if these two players win out, will play each other is um, Tiafo and Hatchinoff. It's a tough mm. matchup for the third round for both of them. Un- you know, tough run in in the third round. I think this is how Tiafo's U.S. Open ended, if I'm correct, is is to Karen Hatchinoff. Hmm. At the hands of Karen Hatchinoff. That will be a good one. That's a good find by you. It's a tough third round match for sure. Thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> I think this one's, I think this one's real already in the second round. And that is, uh, Oh no. See, even this one, um, is going to have to, I think these guys still going to win in the first tonight to get there, but uh, it could be Tommy Paul and Jack Draper. Um, uh-huh. Not the not the top top guys from their countries, us in the old UK, but um, people that a lot of people are hanging their hopes on uh, in our in our old classic kind of kind of some of the OG nations if, if from if you think about it from the modern perspective um, from the from the Western perspective. That's and an then, interesting um, interesting pick there. We might be hearing more about that when we talk betting in a few minutes. Okay, and then. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just uh, – I've just got too much exposure from last year's season of Breakpoint to um, Tanasi Kokonakis or if he's just kind of like just such a cutie pie that I I always look at his name on the on the bracket. But I've seen him go to some pretty intense like five-setters. Like he had one with Murray last year, I know. Yeah. And so if Gregor Dimitrov, who is uh, kind of – at a peak of where he's ever been seated and where he's ever been ranked. He's, he's kind of hot right now. If he wins and he runs into Kokonakis in the second round, that's a, that's, Hey, that's tough. That's someone, that's someone who's going to bring, uh, I think who's going to bring a lot to Gregor's doorstep in that second round match. So for the listeners, we did not talk about this beforehand. I had the same one. So as far as uh, betting game spread, I, I would here we go. I would hammer Kokonakis in that match. Grigor is going to be obviously they both have to win, and I'm planning on betting Kokonakis. So I I hope Grigor looks really good in the first round. Uh, I think that is a potential landmine, huge landmine for Grigor, who I I'm a big Dimitrov fan, playing really well right now. But as we saw uh, last year and the year before. Kokonakis loves playing in front of his home hometown crowd. Uh, has a huge forehand. Yeah, I didn't even has, mention that. Good point. Has dealt with so many injuries in his career. His ranking is just always lower than his talent and where it should be. And like, I think that's a huge trouble spot for Dimitrov. I, I, I don't know what the game spread will be. Obviously, Dimitrov will be favored if they meet up. But I'm, I would hammer Kokonakis game spread there. And like you, you mentioned, uh, Kokonakis Murray. I think that was a match of the tournament last year, honestly, and it was really early on. That was an insane match. Yeah. Yeah, that was here. Yeah, that was here in Melbourne as well. So not to get into too many of the technicalities, but in 
you're basically able to bet on things like game spread and the outright winner once that matchup is set. Is there anything you can do prior? Can I say? So you can. I'm sure you'd have to go down to individual players to say, I can say Dimitrov goes to the fourth round or something. So as of like an hour ago on DraftKings, you could. Uh, I, uh, I looked like just now and like as far as futures, I was only seeing you could pick only the champion of the whole tournament. But they had like so I think they like took those bets off unless I'm just like completely looking at the wrong thing now. But uh, I oh, mean, I'm no, sure- that's our bad Produ- producer Colt. You can uh, you can take the um, the parental controls back off of Joe's DraftKings account. I think <laughs> he's in a he's in a better place. I wanted to hear him just make sure he had his head on straight with some of these picks, and I, I feel better about it now. So go ahead and do that. <laughs> I wonder. I've I had such a bad weekend. I wonder if DraftKings is putting the training wheels on me, man. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure you can find a sports book that would take those kind of bets. And I definitely have some have some picks to make a run to the quarters and maybe semis here. Hit any other uh, good betting uh, items as well as matchups for the men's before we go to the women's. Okay, so for men's, as far as making a run. I know I've mentioned him several times. Alex Demonar, uh, 10 seed here. So this was, I, I looked this up when these bets were still available. He's plus 275 to make it to the quarters. Uh, he's playing phenomenal tennis right now. I think, as we mentioned, he knocked off Djokovic and I believe Fritz at the United Cup. So he beat Rayonich in round one. Rayonich, obviously, former top five player, huge serve unseated right now but i think that's a great win he's got our boy arnaldi in the second round which we know uh he's like a up-and-coming young player that'll be a tough match for demon r but i think he wins it uh third round he's he'll have kotov or kabali which i'm not familiar with either of them i would take demon over either of them fourth round could get tough uh he would have corda or eubanks or hallis or the five seed rublev I'm calling the upset if he sees Rublev. I I like uh, I like Demon are the way he's playing right now. I think he's winning that fourth round match. I think he's through to the quarters. Uh, as I said, that was available at plus two seventy five. So uh, pretty uh, pretty good odds there. Yeah, that's winnable. Um, I don't know, no reason to just disparage Rublev for no reason, but but he could have trouble with Eubanks. I mean, he might not be yeah. there. Yeah, could could be Eubanks. Could be it's, could be Corda. Wouldn't be crazy. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, and then uh, my other one on the men's side, you uh, mentioned him earlier. I like Jack Draper into the fourth round, and I believe he's unseated. Wow. Uh, uh, so I don't think he's played his first-round match yet. He would have to beat Marcus Jerome in the first round, then uh, likely Tommy Paul in the second, which would be really tough. But Jack Draper's like playing really well right now. Obviously, like 6-4 lefty, tough to play against. Big server, big forehand. Uh, could give Tommy some problems. And then he'd likely have uh, Jan Leonard Stroof in round three. So uh, I think I like uh, Draper over him too. I think Draper's going to be like a, a fixture in the top 20 going forward next few years. I, I like Draper into the fourth round. All right, I got some questions about this one. Is, is Draper to the fourth round – something you'd bet on because you think it's a good value for the unlikeliness or you want to just outright predict this? Uh, a little bit of both. 
I think I, I think somewhere in between. Yeah, it'd be a value pick. The, I mean, the toughest match there would be Tommy Paul. Hell yeah, uh, it would. Yeah, <laughs> that would be tough. But dude, Draper's playing well right now. We'll see. That's not an outright prediction, no. But I, I think that's that was about, that was my second question. Hallman is he's playing well right now. Um, what are you referencing? What have you been watching? Or did you, you know? Is that getting back to the end of like last season or or? something more recent no i think uh i'd have to look now but i think he's been playing well uh early on this year in uh, some of these tune-up tournaments in australia let me uh let me pull that up real quick i think actually it sounds like he made it to he make a semi or a final oh i think you're right and he he's the one who when i mentioned uh, lahatchka yeah beginning of the tournament yeah yeah Yeah, lahatchka so uh lahatchka's a guy to watch in this tournament too obviously he uh, made it to the quarters, quarters last year out of nowhere. It was kind of his coming out party. So he likes playing here in Melbourne. So Lehechka is somebody good to call. watch as well. Good call out. But yeah, Draper, good, yeah, good, good find. Draper to the finals, lost to Lehechka in Adelaide. Uh, so I think, I think that's – yeah, I am, definitely. Oh, I do want to mention uh, – I do – so the – Last thing for the men. So, uh, DraftKings odds to win. Joker's the favorite. Uh, Alcaraz, two. Sinner, three. Medvedev, four. Zverev, five. Runa, six. Dimitrov, seven. Demonar's coming in at eight. That's interesting value at plus 3,500. Number nine, our guy, Ben Shelton. Plus 4,000 to win it all. That's, that's interesting. That's very interesting. I probably wouldn't pick it, but you never know. Why throw five bucks on it? Where'd you say Medvedev sits in there? He he could just emerge at any moment. He yeah, he had fourth best odds behind Sinner, Alcaraz, and Novak. So yeah, he. I feel like Sinner can. Oh. I mean, those guys in the top five can beat anyone any given day. But. I think so. Uh, you said you liked my Bedosa um, call out. We both saw the same potential matchup here in the. Is this going into the fourth round? So the, let's see. Oh, I was talking about. Uh, so she would see Anasimova in the second round, but there is a okay, good, who, good who fourth had an room. upset here. Yes. So <laughs> Anasimova, Amanda Anasimova, young up and coming women's player. Last year, when we were talking about our favorite players, which I think we. Uh, posted to our Instagram account. She was like my favorite, favorite female player for a while. And I think she like took some time off the tour and actually enrolled in college and like may have played college tennis after like being in the top 30 on tour. Uh, I'm not positive on that, but I, I think she definitely took some time off and she's making a comeback now. And she's like, yeah, former top 30. And now she's unseated big win in the first round, big upset. Uh, so nice. that, that is a tough tough uh oh yeah she beat samson nova the 13th seed in the first round so if she can if she can win in the second round if Pedosa wins in the second round they would meet in the third round i'm sorry i think i said that incorrectly before but that's a heck of a match between like two players that are obviously Pedosa's top 10 quality anna samova great player so that's potential fireworks for sure that's a good one. I, I actually think that's better than mine because it, it's like two stories of their seed has dropped off somewhere along the line, but there's still a lot of talent here. Who, who wants to kind of get back in the game? Um, I think 
I see in the fourth round that shaking out to Bedosa and Sabalenka. Right. Yep. Which is very interesting too. If, if they end up meeting, that would be a heck of a match. On run here for Bedosa. Um, I have as one of my callouts, uh, and it's it's happening as you said. I just switched over to see uh, Iga and Sophia Kennan. Um, one of my matchups to watch for Week One here: Iga versus the Americans. So, should Americans keep winning their matches, she would. She's lined up here to go through three in a row. Iga is going to play. She's playing Sophia Kennan right now. She would play Daniel Collins potentially in the second round. Should Collins win? Um, and then I have uh, into the second round already McCartney Kessler. Mm. I don't think we've said this name before. Um, no, so I don't think so. That would as a potential third round matchup. You know anything about McCartney Kessler? Two last names. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know much about her. <laughs> Never trust anyone with two last names, or is it two first names? I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about her. No. But big upset into the second round. McCartney, we owe you uh, a little research session. Um, I might do it while Joe's rambling on here. Um, <laughs> what, what else you got? Bets, who to watch, women's side. So potential matchups on the women's side. So Ans Jabour is meeting Andreva in the second round. And let me look that yeah, up. I, was, I didn't want to I didn't want to go too far down this this rabbit hole with my fandom, but I saw <laughs> that one as well. That's interesting. Uh, obviously, Andreva unseated. She has the eighth best odds on the women's side to win the entire tournament, Mira Andreva, Ooh. which I thought was very interesting. Jabor is, is seventh, and they're both plus 3,500, so they have the same odds. So I guess not seventh and eighth. They're, wow. they're tied for seventh. Yeah. So uh, that, that one's going to be a battle of wits. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a heck of a match. For sure. And I know you're a big Andreva fan, so I'm sure you'll be tuning in for that. That's really interesting. You know, Ans Jabur is, as we've talked about, um, I feel like she's like like a, a little bit too easily shaken up and, and she hasn't come through with the slam win when she's been there. But at the same time, she's also a shaker upper because of the way she plays being a little bit out there. Um, so it's, it's really like, is she, uh, controlling the energy of the game and the speed and the spirit of it? Or is she, as it's almost like as soon as she's not controlling it, she's sort of like uh, giving it up. Hmm. Interesting take. Uh, she's, and and how that plays out against someone so young, but talented, but, but who also probably like has room to grow as like a, a a, a, a mental game controller is, is really interesting there for sure. And obviously, uh, on's queen of the drop shot. So we'll see how, how Andreva handles that. It'll be a great match. So my other match to, uh, to watch on the women's side, a potential third round matchup between Layla Fernandez and Coco. And, uh, I don't know. Okay. I, I was following an Instagram account. I'm sorry. I don't know who it was, but they were saying, Something the caption was like something like, "Is there a ball that Layla Fernandez can't get to?" And like the video is just this amazing point. Her running back and forth, like every shot, getting to every ball, she ends up winning the point. Must have been her her first round match here in Melbourne, and she looked really good. <laughs> so uh, 
she's playing at a high level. Obviously, she's been to a slam final before. I'm talking Layla Fernandez. So uh, that, that could be a great match there. A, a, a tough third-round match for Coco, possibly. Interesting. So it sounds like you think she's probably going to get past Alicia Parks, who uh, also an up-and-coming American player who we hope to become big fans of, hope to see her uh, more often. But that's who she's going to play in the second round uh, on Wednesday. Right. And I think Coco's got uh, Caroline Dalahide in the second round, who's uh, an American yeah, player. Yeah, tell us about her. So I believe she's from uh, Chicago suburbs, so Midwest kid. Uh, always love to see that. But she, McCartney yeah, Kessler to finish up on the Americans. Florida Gators. Florida's <laughs> cranking out the stars. Ben Shelton. Yeah, yeah for sure. Good, uh, good history. Good tennis history down in Gainesville. Um, all right. What else are you saying? I have maybe two more. What else you got? So that's all I got for matches to watch for week one. I do have a sleeper pick making a deep run. But you, you can go ahead. All right. Um, I have uh, just, uh, you know, maybe I just have one more. So I wanted to give a little a shout out. We texted about um, Magda Lynette, a seeded player, had gone down in the first round because, of course, she ran into Caroline Wozniacki. We've been watching this comeback a little bit over the last couple of tournaments because she was a little bit of a force to be reckoned with in the U.S. Open. I think Coco Golf ultimately beat her. Um, she is a star of, you know, yesteryear, which is not that many years ago in tennis, but she, but someone who's uh, been up there in the in the top five or so, right, Holman, and now and now she's she's just a little older and she's back playing Caroline Wozniacki. Oh yeah, yep, slam winner, yeah. So another one of my value uh, of of the year picks. Um, that I had mentioned is Beatrice Haddad Maya. And if she, she's the 10 seed, if she wins her next match and Caroline Wozniacki wins her next match, those two will play. That's another good fireworks one that I'd recommend watching. By the way, everybody who's listening, uh, hope you're enjoying these predictions of or who might play and what might be the most exciting matches. Um, all of these are at like midnight to two in the morning. So <laughs> I don't know how feasible it is unless you're a nut, but, uh, you know, looking forward to <laughs> get, you know, checking in with, uh, all this excitement after a sleepless week. Um, Wozniacki was like a, like she used to pose in the sports illustrated swimsuit issue. She, she was like, she was a big badass star of, you know, the mid two thousands. Yeah, for sure. I believe she dated uh, Rory McIlroy back in the day and is now married to uh, David Lee, former NBA player. Remember him, Cole? <laughs> How about that? Yeah, tall tall lefty forward, left, left-handed for like the Warriors back in the day. Got a ring with the Warriors, yeah. I believe he's also uh, University of Florida. Oh. <laughs> Producer Cole. The Gators. Just lost his chair. <laughs> What's that? hazard of having a standing desk is sometimes you're standing around things that can trip you <laughs> you are right <laughs> yeah I'll have to <laughs> cut that out Dude, put that on our uh our tiktok man that's great <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were wearing uh chance like from jury duty 
Caroline Wozniacki, um, listen, she was in she was in this magazine with just paint on her body, no clothes, Joe. I mean, oh, wow. that type of that type of attitude is not something you want to be dealing with in the second round, right after the new year and the holidays. You're just trying to get back in the Grand Slam tournament swing of things, and that's who you're playing. Um, yeah. I believe she beat somebody pretty pretty highly ranked at the US Open last year, right? And then gave Coco a run for her money in the next round Definitely. there. Yeah. Who's this mysterious long shot uh value bet? And then uh <laughs> you owe us you well, you can you can make the nice point podcast pick unless I really want to fight for it, or maybe we'll have the same one. Go for it. <laughs> okay. I feel like you already know who I'm gonna pick. <laughs> Uh, 11 seed, Yelena Ostapenko. I got her in the semis. <laughs> this is not just a value pick. This is a prediction into the semis. Okay, let me lay this out for you. So she's playing a, a wild card in the first round, Kimberly Burrell, I think, who's an Australian, might have the crowd behind her, but should should be a win for Ostapenko. Second round, potential matchup with Isla Tomlanovic, uh, who we know mm. from great breakpoint. I think I still like Ostapenko there. Third round potential Azarenka match. That would be a tough one. Obviously, Azarenka, I believe she's won a slam. Former top top 10, top 5 type player. Uh, so that would be a very tough one. If she can get by that, I like her into the semis, Ostapenko. In the fourth round, she might see Emma Navarro. Uh, might be the best player that she would see there. So she was helped with Vondrosova, the seventh seed, losing in the first round. Which is who... Emma Navarro uh, was. What's that? Emma Navarro's helped by Vondrosova. Right, but uh, oh, poten- yeah. right. Poten- right, potential fourth round matchup with Ostapenko is also helped by the, by that. Is my wow. so yeah so she would have been Ostapenko would have seen uh, Vondrosova in the fourth round I believe if they if they both would have kept winning so seven seed Vondrosova out uh, and then. That lines up for a potential quarterfinal matchup between Ostapenko and Iga, which is what we saw at the U.S. Open. We all know how that turned out. Bad day for Iga. I I love Ostapenko to win that quarterfinal match, make it to the semis. Prediction: Do we have a <laughs> Do we have a Charles Barkley uh, guarantee button? <laughs> I'll work on that. I'll build some code. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's uh that's my pick and i'm guessing uh if if they didn't take my bets away on DraftKings, you could get some very good odds <laughs> for us to make a make it to the semis as uh, oh that action could be sweet <laughs> i might have to like find a, a sports book that'll take that bet uh taking sponsors taking sports book sponsors we do not have any sort of uh like vice limitations like we'll do we'll do a cigarette ad uh joe and i'll rip a couple squares um <laughs> on the episode if, if you guys can help fund season two joe do you want to nice I, point podcast pick the winner yes i do it? oh i do i i definitely will one more thing to mention about ostapenko she won in adelaide as well so she's playing well to begin 2024 right. but yes now for the uh for the nice point picks to win we're with Djokovic. Um, what I talked about with some of the 
this sort of triumvirate of successful hardcore players in context that matters, Coco and Sabalenka and Rabak, and I think I want to pick Coco, but can we? I'm going to leave it to you as the president of, of our picks. So this is tough, man. I, I had Let's it down. It. I had Coco's one of my two that I was deciding between Coco and Sabalenka. Obviously, Sabalenka is a defending champ. Obviously, they're both really good on hard court. <laughs> Coco just won the U.S. Open. Uh, this is tough. Uh, Sabalenka won her first round match 6 0 6 1. Looks to be in good form right now. Obviously, Coco does as well. Um, I. <laughs> If we have to narrow it down, I did pick I picked Sabalenka. Obviously, I'll be rooting for okay. Coco to, right. to win this tournament. I did pick Sabalenka. I don't know uh, if we have numbers on uh, repeat Aussie Open champs. Maybe maybe not that likely, so maybe not a good pick to uh, pick Sabalenka. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts there? You if- like Coco? Yeah, I do. Here's a couple reasons why. So one, I was going to ask you if we can do the math really quick on when they would meet or not meet um, at a two and a four seed. Like the, we should be able to just have the logic of what that means. So, so obviously the, th- like the one and the two would be the final. So the two and the four would be what? the They would be a semifinal? No. So in a normal uh, bracket, they would meet in the final. So the in a normal bracket, one four would play in the semis, two three would play in the semis. So then if two and four both won, they would meet in the finals. However, okay. I'm like I'm looking at the women's draw, and for some reason so hard. Dude, tennis it's, is it, like we don't so have the same it. benefits of other sports like <laughs> media offerings. That's why we're so, here, but it's hard. So like it's not like a true bracket where like one, four would play the semis two three would play in the semis. It's like more of like, there's a little element of randomness, I think. And it looks like one, three, if I'm looking at this correctly, one, three is playing in the semis and two, four is playing in the semis, which makes no sense to me. So Coco's the four seed and it looks like right. she's playing. She would play the two seed Sabalenka in the semis. And then Rabakin is the three and she would play Iga, the number one seed in the semis, which makes no sense to me. That's not how a bracket should be set up. It should be 1-4 playing in the semis, but I don't know. Furious. <laughs> it really it bothers me, man. Um, here's why I like Coco. So two main reasons. Number one. She wins the U.S. Open with all of New York City and the United States like having her back. It sort of like carries her over that that sort of legendary momentous hump moment of like, was I a slam winner or was I someone who like should be a slam winner? Now she's got that confidence. Now she's walking back to the next slam. Like mm. I know I can beat Sabalenka. I know I can beat. You know, she there wasn't anything funky with with how that rolled out. And like she played someone you know, sort of meh, like she played like the other best player and, and won. So I think she's just got all the confidence in the world uh, coming out of that and just feels good. I'm just projecting. I don't, I didn't talk to her, but, um, and then the other thing <laughs> is I just think if we know anything about how like the women's is such more of a, a, a rotation of success than the men's um, like we saw Iga have a phase where she won like th- 
three or four out of five titles. And then I don't, I don't think we're going to, we didn't see it at the, at like the end of last year. And I don't think we're going to keep seeing it. And I like, there was like, there was Naomi Osaka there, there was, um, y- you know, there was like, uh, the Ash Barty. Right. And like, it, it's like these, these, these gals come up and like have their moment and they kind of win like two or three, um, they, they're just hot. And then like, there hasn't been a sustained heat, uh, like since the Williams sisters, like someone really dominant. So, so if I'm just judging off the trends, I'm like, is it Coco's time where she like wins like this one and like makes a run at French and, and then maybe it keeps rolling on or are we, you know, is she really that great? And it's 10 years of Coco. I don't know, but at least as it's gone the last like post Williams years, like last four years, it's like people get hot and they win a couple tournaments. No, that's a, I think that's a great take. That's there's definitely like that. Yeah. Like you said, Iga winning like three of five for a stretch there. That's very interesting. I'm glad you said that because now I'm kind of rethinking my pick, but I, the, the only other point I will make is uh, like the Australian open is like, it's kind of weird. Like it's a little different than the other slams in that it is like the first big tournament of the year. Like I feel like, like some players are still gaining confidence for the season. And like, like, I think we mm-hmm. see like a lot of like, like, like Djokovic, for instance, is like dominant here. Like we see a lot of the same players that play well here, like seem to play well here every year, which is something that would lean towards Sabalenka, I think, but who knows? How did Sabalenka do two years ago? Do you have any idea? Was she in the finals? Let me look that up. We're going to say that the nice point pick for the winner is the winner of the semi. Um, <laughs> uh, would Ostapenko be on the other semi? Would uh, she be in I, the odd-numbered semi? She would be in Iga's semi. She would meet okay. Iga in the quarters, yeah. Okay, so, we, so we're going to pick. So Nice Point's going to pick um, the winner of Coco and Sabalenka in the semi. So I think they – oh, I'm sorry. I, I was thinking Ostapenko. So uh, Coco and Sabalenka I think would meet in the finals. Based on how I'm reading the draw, even though the seating doesn't mat- match that. Now you got me confused. I got you and <laughs> Australia are gonna get in a room together and figure this out together. <laughs> um, Joe, I want to take ten, fifteen to uh, to just you know, as people are enjoying the Australian Open, they're also maybe. Um, during the daytime watching Breakpoint on Netflix. So I want to run through like episodes one and two. The show's like perfect for us and it's not really a recommendation for anybody else. Um, it's just like more tennis content. It's not a very good show necessarily, um, but it's just like if you like tennis stuff, it's like more of that. It's kind of like almost as good as like the social media feed I set up for nice point of just like every tennis players on there. 
So I won't I won't overdo it, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll sneak the episode recaps into these Australian episode Australian Open episodes, and we'll do episode one and two. But before that, anything else? As we're just sitting here um, at the in the first couple days of the Australian Open for the first week of the Australian Open, or or the outlook of the whole tournament that you want to make sure to say. So, not really. I'm just I, I would say I'm I'm watching Shvatek, uh Cannon right now. Sun shining. They got the roof open. I'm seeing blue skies, man. It's great. Wish I was there. Okay, so let me run through just quickly some thoughts from episodes one and two of Breakpoint season two. I know that there was two separate drops on Netflix in season one, but it's all season one as Netflix would think of it. Um, Season two is what just launched. Um, So the first episode is all about the Breakpoint curse. And they just talked about how all of the, like stars that they had put in season one of Breakpoint went to the Australian Open and we're just eating it. And, uh, you know, the timing's all sort of funny to think about, about when like everybody agrees to do it, when they agree to have cameras around them, when they actually see it, when then, when they then like play the match, like it's kind of hard to wrap your head around all of the timing, but, um, yeah, they, they went a little meta with it. I think they were trying to get a little Nathan Fielder energy for, for Breakpoint <laughs> season two. Um, and it, uh, a lot of the players are the same, so they haven't cursed anybody new. Although one of the new players um, is Zverev, who who I named as my prediction for this year is that he would go to a final. Mm. Uh, I, w- I was trying to you know get an eye on him from some of his good performances last year. I'm changing the narrative from the da- the Nathan Fielder Netflix cur- breakpoint curse to the Netflix like maybe they should just like do better like research or or casting for their unscripted media here. Last year we 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 had to look like fools, Joe, because we spent the whole breakpoint episode talking about Curios and how fun it was to have his episode, and he was like like he was totally busted for like getting in trouble uh like with his girlfriend like in a bad way and i'm like why why are they why do they have curios here and what we were just reminded of by producer cole is that they just signed zverev to to have him as a breakpoint character he's in trouble again very recently and i said again because someone one of us remembered that it was a maybe like a second offense for for you know not being a gentleman with his girlfriend. What's what's going on? Netflix, can, can we get some other characters for us to enjoy? Yeah, and I, I believe the two allegations against Verev are by uh, two different ex-girlfriends, by the way. But yeah, maybe uh, some more research by Netflix would be nice. Dude. So then we got to, because what does it do for Nice Point Podcast? Now we got to watch the whole show start to learn about their their personal life and like sometimes they get the grandma in there and all the cute stuff and then like maybe we were like endeared to them a little bit more they often 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 have the current girlfriend in the show this is how it was with curious you remember a lot of the episode with curious last year was like his girlfriend and he was right, in trouble for right. for for physical a physical altercation with an ex-girlfriend this is like this is like in bad taste kind of yeah yeah it's 
very reminiscent of the Curios situation. And I said uh, two allegations against him. I don't know if they are allegations. Maybe they've gone past that point. I, I'm not sure how they, those, the two situations turned out. Um, but, yeah, you'd like to see some better research from Netflix for sure. Just get, just do a ladies-focused breakpoint. You know the boys are toxic. Just let Billie Jean King do like produce it and just do the just do the ladies. I so I know you said uh, it's like not that good of a show, <laughs> just like objectively. I just lo- I love like you, any, you love it. I, so, <laughs> I love like any behind the scenes like sports doc where you can like see like their personality and like kind of how they are off the court, like really any sport. I just, I don't know why I always find that fascinating. But, so I, I do like it a lot just from that perspective as like, there's just getting there's like a Netflix a, show. A, I a watch. Clip. Oh yeah. Go ahead. No, there. I mean, yeah, it's nice to see their personalities. Often they have bad personalities. They're just right, like right, machines. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a Netflix show. I watch. Oh, Sviatek just uh, hit a real lucky tape shot um, uh, so and had to that. do the way the sort of my my bad wave uh, on the first on the first mini break of the uh, tie break. So she uh, she did the same thing in the last game, which Kenan overcame it and still ended up winning it. But uh, yeah, second time she's done that as many games. Love a good tape Kenan's shot. Kenan's kind of doing the. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on, it's 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 good topspin, right? Um, Netflix has another show called "The Movies That Made Us," and it's just these like sort of real quick, lazy docs about like a movie that everybody loves, like Jurassic Park or Ghostbusters, and just sort of like runs you like it just has like some of the people that like worked on it, and they like talk about it. These episodes are, I swear, like twenty two minutes long. Um, another amazing example of like it's so up my alley that like the quality matters zero <laughs> okay i like that so that's a that's a great point so <laughs> cole was showing me a, a kind of like a behind the scenes like documentary about the making of uh i can't think of the name now the uh jesse social network yeah yeah uh which i thought was like absolutely like incredibly interesting like I was like glued to it, so I, I'm right there with you. Anything that's like up my alley, like I'm, I'm watching it for sure. Okay, so episode two was the Nathan Fielder Netflix curse uh, wannabe episode. Episode, uh, episode, well, that was episode one. Episode two, um, the the hottest goss to come out of episode two that I want to talk about with you, Joe, is the sort of um. You know, when you have a girlfriend and like, if you have a girlfriend, you break up and then you, they like, you get back together or one of your friends does this. It's just like, it's become most likely it should have just stuck. And like, cause then it becomes this cycle of like, they're kind of broken up. Then they're, mm. they're deciding and like, if, off if again, on again. It, it's always the off, the, the on again, off again is, is a mess. And this is what's going on to still. With uh, Holger Runa mm. and this coach, uh, I want to I want to hear your just like how much 
you're you're familiar with this guy and his work, uh, uh, Patrick Maralu. I can't say his name. It's a lot of letters. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Patrick Maradaglu. So uh, he like worked extensively with Serena for a while after she like was on the tour. Like I I think he was Serena's coach for a long time, and now he's kind of he worked with Coco for a few years before. before Maybe not in a coaching role, but like some kind of advising role. He was with Coco uh, before she was with Brad Gilbert. So he's like he's like kind of the guy now. I think Serena kind of made him like the the coach in tennis. Uh, so he like works with like a lot of like the younger up and coming players. And like I said, I'm not sure if he's like a, just a coach anymore. Or like, I don't know if he just coaches one player or if he coaches like several or like kind of does some advising, but yeah, he's like, a, I, I follow him on Instagram. He's, he's got some interesting training videos. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, we should look maybe back more into the Serena story because it wasn't her first coach or how she started her career, but it was more like in the middle right. and they won a ton of titles. So like, you know, what prompts that? What, what, what does Serena need from this at that time? You know, he wasn't the, the sort of big name coach that he is now from that. Right. How does she find him? What does she, what does she need different that he provides? And then they, they have all this success together. Um, but yeah, uh, he's he's like he's a kind of handsome European guy, kind of a suave, zaddy type of character. Um, worked with Serena for a long time, and then he worked with Sissipas for a little bit mm. as well, right before working with Runa. And um, I, I looked up their their current coaches, and it's um, Runa's coach is listed as Boris Becker. Oh yeah multi-slam winner for sure uh, from uh, south africa boris becker australia boy i don't know a a legend of the game from the the 80s that's a big time coach yep and um and then uh sisipas coaches his dad uh, whose name is like i swear it's like aristotle or something <laughs> Aristotle Sissipas. So, so I don't even know if this guy who you're saying right now is like the guy. Is he? Is he? Are we going to see him at the Australian Open in someone's box? Is he working? Mm, see, that's what I. I don't. I don't think so. I, I think he like has his own academy or something. Like kind of like a. If you saw the King Richard movie, like Rick Macy has in Florida, like he kind of works with like up and coming players now. And maybe like not as oh. like as like their personal coach, but like works with several players at a time, like kind of in an academy sense. Are you talking about the John Bernthal character in that movie? <laughs> yes, I am. And I actually I saw that movie only for the second time. I caught it on TBS the other night. I liked it so much more the second <laughs> time. Just like the Bernthal character is so funny, and like it was completely over my head the first time. Like. He's always like saying these little like coach speak, like motivational stuff, like small steps, big results, like, like always like saying stuff like that. It's like, it was cracking me up, man. John Bernthal brings brings the goods to everything. If, if you're watching the Emmys, instead of listening to our podcast, uh, he was the, the older brother in the bear from the famous episode where he throws the fork he just absolutely rules. 
I didn't know burnt thaw was in the bear. Wow. That's a that's a spoiler for Holman who I've <laughs> been trying to get to watch the bear for heck knows how long. <laughs> so I've got it. Actually, if you drag your feet, just get with the program, the Joe. Yeah, yeah. You drag your feet yeah, that exactly. long, you deserve to get it spoiled. That, that's on me. Uh, so I've got an aside when I was watching King Richard on TBS. I haven't seen this in a long time. It was like TBS, like movie of the week or something on a Friday night. And they had like a little, like, uh, like two hosts, like every time they went to a commercial. Oh yeah. Love these. Dude, I, I love that. I haven't seen that in years, man. Like that would be an awesome job. It's like 30, (laughs) every time they go to a commercial, like 30 seconds intro, come back from a commercial, like 30 seconds, they talk a little bit. It's great, man. I love it. Bring that back. Watching movies on Agree. cable. Fine. Love watching movies on cable, man. <laughs> or find the place within the streaming universe where they can they can have that person. If I <laughs> if I pick something on Netflix, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll end the episode on this. First of all, Boris Becker, he's from Germany. Okay. Whatever. He won six <laughs> titles. In the late 80s. So somebody else who won some titles around the same time that I just want to call out as uh, one of the breakout stars of Breakpoint. So it seems like Breakpoint Season 2, uh, their, their talking heads budget seemed a little slimmer. Um, they, they didn't have Sharapova. They didn't have Roddick. Um, I even re- I feel like I even remember like Serena do, like having a comment or two. Um in this season, Naomi Osaka is one of the people that uh, speaks and sits and sits in a chair, but doesn't like she's not one of the subjects of the documentary. So, um, a good shout out to tennis history, which is always important because pretty much all of like tennis history got ripped off by Nice Point podcast not existing yet. Um, the talking head that they do have is Jim Courier. Mm. He is a four time Slam winner. Uh, 1991 through 1993, right when I was conceived and born. Um, he won two Frenches and two Australians. Uh, super late 90s looking guy. Like he look his, his look on the court when he's winning slams is kind of like if your dad happened to play tennis and you're a little kid and you remember him being like, okay, uh, it's Tuesday night. I'm I'm like I have a my gym bag and I'm going to play tennis tonight and you don't really get it. Cause you're just a kid and you don't really know how, like how the world works. Like he kind of looks exactly like that. <laughs> wow. So he does uh, some of the on-court interviews in Australia for the ESPN broadcast, Jim Courier. I think he's great. I think okay. He's a great broadcaster. Yeah. But uh, dude, nineties apparel fire, man. We should go back to that. I think that's like my, my favorite era of clothing. The tennis fundamentals, the serve, the volley, and the smash. This month we are doing tennis. What better way to take advantage of the great weather than with a game of tennis? I've no chance in the match. He's the number one in the world and I'm playing with a metal hit. 